Hi, I'm Norm Tabler, host of the AHLA podcast series, Speaking of Health Law, where we focus on the lighter side of health law. I hope you enjoy this month's edition. The Broken Kettle Defense. Remember learning your first year in law school that a defendant may state as many defenses as it wants, even if they're inconsistent? The classic case is the defendant accused of breaking a borrowed kettle. He was allowed to plead that A, he never borrowed the kettle, B, it was broken when he borrowed it, and C, it was unbroken when he returned it. Winoa Peebles apparently knows the rule. She was an accounts clerk for a local hospital. When she was fired, she sued the hospital, alleging retaliation for filing an EEOC complaint. The hospital countered that she was actually fired because she had handed out the personal email addresses of board members to a debt collector in violation of hospital policy and then lied about it. At various points in the litigation, Winoa said that A, she did not give out the addresses, B, she gave out the addresses because her job description required it, C, she gave out the addresses because the executives would not return the debt collector's calls, and D, she can give out the addresses if she wants because it's not against hospital policy. Well, you can plead inconsistent defenses, but the judge isn't required to believe any of them, and this judge didn't. He threw out Winoa's case, awarding the hospital summary judgment. The case is Peebles versus Greene County Hospital Board, Northern District, Alabama. The orthopedic surgeon who pretended to be an orthopedic surgeon. Back in the 70s, Woody Allen made up a whimsical list of mythological beasts. One of them had the head of a lion and the body of a lion, but not the same lion. The beast comes to mind in reading the federal indictment of a New York orthopedic surgeon who pretended to be a New York orthopedic surgeon, but not the same New York orthopedic surgeon. Why would Dr. Spiros Panos pretend to be the doctor referred to in the indictment as Dr. One? The answer is that Dr. Panos had lost his own medical license, served four and a half years for health care fraud, and was still on supervised release. He couldn't practice under his own name, so he stole the identity of Dr. One and worked under that name for a company, one he created, that performed peer review of workers' compensation cases. According to the indictment, insurance companies paid him over $860,000 for the reviews. The indictment charges him, under his real name, with wire fraud, health care fraud, and aggravated identity theft. The case is U.S. versus Panos, Southern District, New York. Vertical integration in healthcare fraud. For years, we've seen the spread of vertical integration in healthcare, as when a system includes hospitals, medical groups, labs, and insurance. So maybe it was inevitable that vertical integration would come to healthcare fraud. Federal authorities in New York City have announced the indictment of five people accused of a slip-and-fall insurance scam. But this scam didn't involve just one person or even just one element of the scam. It included people who took the alleged falls, scouts to identify good places to fall, and designated attorneys, chiropractors, and doctors, even lending companies. That's right, lending companies. You see, sometimes the so-called victims underwent surgery, unnecessary surgery, to increase damage awards. The victims needed cash to pay for the surgery, so the lending companies made high-interest loans knowing they'd get repaid when the settlements came in. The indictment says the scam even included a training program, instructing victims on how to fall and fake injuries. And according to the indictment, the instructor knew what he was talking about because he's a former chiropractor. The five are charged with wire fraud and a scheme to obtain fraudulent insurance proceeds. The case is U.S. versus Calcanus, Southern District, New York. Law versus Justice. When a judge says you have justice on your side, he's going to rule in your favor, right? Well, not necessarily. Dr. Bob Feiss confirmed that he qualified for the Medicare Primary Care Incentive Payment Program as of the start of 2011. When 18 months passed without a payment, Bob called the CMS contractor, which confirmed that CMS had miscoded him as an emergency medicine physician. When he still hadn't been paid by the end of 2013, he contacted CMS, 
which agreed to correct its mistake. But CMS took the position that its qualification couldn't start until 2014 when it finally corrected its own miscoding mistake. When Bob sued for the $40,000 he was owed for 2011 through 2013, the government did not deny that he deserved it. Instead, it rested on the federal statute prohibiting judicial review of the CMS coding system. Reluctantly, the court agreed and dismissed Bob's case with an opinion that opens with the statement, this is not a just decision, but it is one that the law requires. So if you have to choose between having the law or justice on your side, you better choose the law. The case is Feist versus U.S., U.S. Court of Federal Claims. Hoist with his own petard. When Hamlet said that Claudius was hoist with his own petard, he meant that he, Hamlet, had turned the tables on Claudius by getting his henchmen killed. So Claudius was figuratively blown up by the petard, that little round bomb that spies carry in cartoons, meant for Hamlet. Oscar Sanchez personifies the quote. As an executive with McQuet cardiovascular, Oscar had access to sensitive confidential documents. He had signed confidentiality and non-disclosure agreements. After being disciplined for misbehavior, Oscar told a fellow executive that he had retained copies of sensitive company documents as a quote, burn file, that he would use to get the company, only he didn't say get, if they fired him. And they did. So he filed a whistleblower retaliation suit under New Jersey law and turned the burn file over to his law firm. In response to McQuett's discovery motion, Oscar's firm produced the documents, including correspondence with attorneys and documents marked attorney-client privilege. McQuett moved for an order A, precluding Oscar from using the documents, and B, this should get your attention, disqualifying Oscar's law firm from the case. The trial court granted the motion without even holding a hearing, and the appellate court unanimously affirmed. So Oscar was burned by his own burn file, and his law firm was burned along with him because the firm had failed to inform McQuett as soon as it knew it was holding privileged documents. The case is Sanchez versus McQuett, Superior Court of New Jersey Appellate Division. Hold the spaghetti. Here's a practice tip for all attorneys, whatever their specialty. If you lose your temper in an Italian restaurant, don't throw a plate of spaghetti at your opponent, at least not if innocent bystanders are in the area. Attorney Jim Sweeney disregarded this practice tip. When he threw his plate of spaghetti at Mike Cosmos, it hit bystander Constance Colmy in the head. Hot pasta and sauce dripped into her eyes and she fell and suffered a concussion. When she sued for her injuries, Jim argued for what might be termed a change of menu, insisting that the pasta topping was not hot and spicy fra diavolo, as Constance claimed, but the milder cavatelli with sausage and broccoli. Apparently unmoved by Jim's cavatelli defense, the jury awarded Constance over $100,000. The case is Colmy versus Sweeney, Connecticut Superior Court. Well, that's it for this month's edition of the AHLA podcast series, Speaking of Health Law. I hope you enjoyed it. Check your AHLA Weekly and Connections magazine for the next edition of Speaking of Health Law.